We've been in this theme on the Holy Spirit and we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit to make us witnesses to Jesus. We read in Acts 1 and verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's good. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, which is New Zealand. And, <laughs> well, from Jerusalem it is. And, or it's the comma after uttermost, whatever you want to do with that. But Jesus says we'll be empowered to be witnesses unto him, not just talk about him, but unto him. And Acts 1.8 is a key verse. It identifies the transformational power and influence of believers, the church, not coming from us, but coming from the Holy Spirit working in and through us as we seek to talk about Jesus and live a life that glorifies Him. It's kind of Zechariah reminding us, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. The book of Acts records that God's people experienced ongoing infilling of the Holy Spirit as they faced new opportunities and sometimes new challenges and in instances, severe persecution. And over and over again, it talks about how they were filled again, some for the first time, some repeated infillings. And it just reminds us of our ongoing dependency and need of the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives in every day. It's not just an optional extra or a luxury. It's an absolute necessity. Jesus said we'd be witnesses. It's actually where we get our English word martyr. And let's hope not too many of us become that. And don't take on a martyr mentality either. But the word witness is used 29 times in the book of Acts. So this whole setup of Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. That's one of the great themes running through the book of Acts as they talk about what they witnessed in Jesus' death and resurrection and other things. In Acts 4 and verse 20, it says, and as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. And I love that. It's just like the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus' resurrection bubbles up in them and they go, we can't keep quiet about this. We've got to tell people. And so we come to just reflecting a little bit on what is 101, I believe, for every single church, the Great Commission. Somebody said Jesus' last command should be our first priority. And I want to touch down in, Act, uh, in sorry, Matthew 28, which speaks about baptism, and that's where we're going to do the baptisms as well. So Jesus appears to his disciples just before his ascension, and he said to them, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Nations, there's ethnos. It's every single people group, nation, cultural group. It's everything. And it's all embracing all nations, ethnos. Baptizing them 
in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I love that the Holy Spirit's involved in all of this as well, along with Father and Son. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Not teaching for information, but I'll come back to that, but teaching to obey. And then Jesus gives this incredible promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There are four action words, verbs that are really important. And in the Greek, it can emphasize which one is the controlling verb, if I can put it that way, over all the other verbs. And it's not going, it's not baptizing, it's not teaching. The, the, the key verb that controls everything in this passage, all the other actions, is make disciples. The Great Commission call is for us to make disciples, people who passionately love and follow Jesus in their everyday. Not just church attenders who just do a Sunday thing, but people who love and follow Jesus to the best of their ability in their everyday. And God wants to do something in us as disciples. Jesus wants us all in as we are following him. A disciple in the New Testament is a dedicated follower of Jesus. So what he's saying is as you go, make disciples. When you baptise, it's a part of making disciples. And when you teach people not to know, that helps, but to know and obey, it's about making disciples, passionate followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at those. Number one, reaching out. We are told to go. Now we've just had a team come back who are gonna celebrate and report back next week who've been in Vietnam and they did some going. But let's not restrict this. Oh, this is a call to missionaries. Yes, it is. And maybe God has called you to the mission field. But in a sense, every single person who says yes to Jesus, where you go in your everyday life, is your mission field. You're on mission 24-7, as it were, where you go. That doesn't mean you run around with a Bible bashing people, and like being, but you're there to speak, to live, to be a witness unto Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. And the word go means to go. Now you came up, uh, you got up early this morning just to hear that. The word go means to go, but it also means in your going. So whatever you're doing in your day, it's in your going, remember you're on mission. In your going, remember to be a witness unto me, Jesus says, and make disciples of all nations. Going emphasizes the truth that as followers of Jesus, we are meant to permeate the society and influence it. We're meant to be people on mission for Jesus, doing our best to speak and to live in a way that honours him and is attractive to others. Not everybody is attracted to it. Not everybody likes it. As we see in the book of Acts, there was resistance and persecution and negativity and criticism. The Bible says we are ambassadors. Have you ever thought of that? An ambassador, because your citizenship 
It's not of earth, it's a heavenly one. I love the fact that I have an Australian passport and I'm an Australian citizen, but my ultimate citizenship is as a citizen of heaven. And in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20, Paul says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. And then he says, this is the appeal. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Do you see the reading of that? He said, you are an ambassador of Christ and God is making an appeal to every person you encounter through you. And the appeal is, please, would you be reconciled to God? It's a really challenging statement. And again, this is not a... Uh, encouraging Bible bashing or, or inappropriate conversations at the wrong place, wrong time. But that there is this ongoing appeal of the Father's heart to every single lost person. Please, because you see this person, because you hear this person, would you be reconciled to God? And so Paul prays a prayer that I think it could be good for us to use in our everyday, where he says to the church at Ephesus, And pray for me also and ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles, everyone. And pray for me too, ask God to give me the right words So I can confidently, boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news, the gospel, the good news is it's all about what Jesus did, is for everyone. There's nobody that is exempt from it. Why don't you just pray that prayer? God, give me the right words. Give me the confidence. Bold is not about being loud. It's just being confident that God is working through you in the things you say, the encouragements and the life that you live. So go. But then he says, make disciples by baptizing them. So Jesus is going to all the world and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and teaching them to obey all the things I've commanded you. Teach them to be obey. That's about transformation. We live in an age of information. We have more information than we know what to do with most of the time. I don't know about you, but it's overwhelming. It's wonderful in some ways, but it's overwhelming all the information. And Jesus says that kingdom information is different. It's not just that you know stuff, So you can win at trivia or something like that or win an argument. It's about teaching so that we obey as we follow Jesus. Making disciples goes beyond the initial salvation moment. And if you're here in this auditorium, you've not yet said yes to Jesus, or maybe you did some time ago and God's been dealing with your heart about coming home. I'm going to give you a spawn, an opportunity to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's more than just baptism making disciples. It's a, a disciple of Jesus commits to a lifelong learning process that keeps us growing 
in our faith. Peter puts it this way, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus and Saviour. Jesus, sorry, I'm gonna try that again. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. When you notice those things, it's not just growing knowledge so you can, as I said earlier, win an argument, be aggressive, whatever the case is. It's growing the grace and knowledge of a person, our Lord Jesus Christ, so that He gets the glory. As a disciple of Jesus, our worldview needs to change when we come to say yes to Him. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can adopt any worldview you like. But when you're a follower of Jesus, you've got to say, I need to understand God's view of His world. God's view of His world, a, a, a biblical worldview. And then our lifestyle increasingly needs to change and be transformed because God's goal is that we can become more like Jesus. Paul says in the book of Romans, chapter 12 and verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God, that you may discern the will, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I want you to notice that that phrase, don't be conformed, literally means don't be pressed into the mould of this world. And all around us is incredible pressure to be pressed into the mould of this world. It doesn't mean everything in our world is wrong or incorrect, but it's saying discern. Because what needs to happen is you don't become more like the world, you become more like Jesus. You transformed as you encounter truth and you begin to obey it. We have some wonderful assistance in this. The most important person comes alongside us, dwells within us, and that's the Holy Spirit. I'm talking as a follower of Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, verse 26 and 27, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then notice immediately he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Jesus left His disciples, us, no material fortune. But He bequeathes, bequeathes to us gifts that cannot be bought. One is the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. And the second is the presence of peace. But notice the connection between the peace and the teaching of Jesus residing in our hearts and lives. And if as a follower of Jesus, there's a lack of peace in your life, perhaps one of the questions you should ask, and this is not to put guilt on people, this is just a question you should ask. Am I walking to the best of my ability in obedience to what the Holy Spirit is teaching me, convicting me, directing me on in my life right now? The Holy Spirit will teach you. 
The second thing, we should be people anchored to the Word of God, the inspired Word of God. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture, how much of this? All of it. All Scripture, even the bits you don't understand that you struggle with and you go, oh, I don't know if I like that or not. You've got to embrace it and work through it and get understanding. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. Ask others who've walked in the faith for longer their perspective on something. All Scripture is inspired by God, breathed on by God, and is useful to teach us what is true. Scripture teaches us what is true and to make us realise what is wrong in our lives. Oh, sometimes we don't like that. But God convicts us of things so that we can be changed and actually be more empowered in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Just a brief comment on the authority of God's Word in our life. We live in an incredibly opinionated society. I'm not sure if it's any more than it ever was, but certainly we have a lot more platforms to share our opinions with everybody. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord, before you share your opinion on a matter, perhaps you should consider God's opinion on the matter. God is the only one in existence who knows all that there is to know. He also has infinite knowledge and wisdom. And thus His viewpoint is better than anybody else's on the planet. The opinion of God is the only one that ultimately really counts. And opinions should be based on the authority of God's Word. And I'm not saying that as a follower of Jesus, we always get that right all the time. Because you can take verses and teaching, etc., out of context and get it wrong. But at least if you've come back and say, what does God say about this? Or this thing in our society, what are the biblical principles that would guide me whether I adopt it or whether I say, no, I'm not going there because I don't think it has any biblical validity. Paul says to the church at Colossae, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Notice this space for some correction, admonishing. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Please, if you're a follower of Jesus, don't become unteachable. Don't become unteachable. Keep inviting the Holy Spirit to teach you. Keep in the Word, let it instruct you. Keep in fellowship, let others speak into your life. And as I've said, they're not always right, but at least you're hearing a perspective connected to the Word of God. 
Wisdom is given and forged in the fires of committed loving relationships. Wisdom for life connected to God's Word is forged in the fires of committed loving relationships. Communities of faith where there are people of peace, people who extend forgiveness to one another when they get it wrong, people who live with gratitude for all that God has done in their lives and disciples who treasure God's Word and passionately seek to follow Jesus to the best of their ability. Paul says in Colossians 1.28, Him, speaking of Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Him, we proclaim. Jesus is our message. And my question is, are you right with God through all that Jesus has done. Sin separates us from God. And unless you sort that out, you'll be separated eternally from God. But that's why Jesus came, to bridge that gap, to die in our place, to deal with sin, so that forgiveness could be poured out over our lives, grace poured out of our lives, and we become alive to God. We are born again and given the gift of eternal life. Not because of what we do, but because of every single thing Jesus has done for us. Him we proclaim. He's the good news. He's the good news.